Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Good morning. How's everybody okay? It's good to see you out on a Sunday morning in the United States of America. Amen? Awesome. Has anybody in here ever had identity theft? Anybody? I see a few hands. Okay. Do you know that sin robs you of your identity? And you know that Jesus wants to restore that identity that he made you to be, the person he made you to be. How many people in here? Now, remember, I'm an ex-phys ed teacher, so I'm having you raise your... So if you raise your right hand, you have to raise your left. Left, that's raise your right. So how many people in here have ever uh, read the Daily Bread? Our Daily Bread? Awesome. Tremendous. Well, about a week ago... There was a story about the sea squirts. And it really got my attention. You figure it would, right? Sea squirts, yeah, I know. So, beautiful if you... Teens, they've been raptured. The teens have been raptured. Oh, Teenagers, junior and senior high, you can go downstairs. You're dismissed. I was going to say, how'd they go? Not us. (laughs) Okay. So teenagers, you're dismissed. So if you go on uh, YouTube and type in Google sea squirts, there's all different colors. I like this color, the blue. They're just beautiful. So anyway, when they're young, they go out and find their food. And they avoid harm at all costs. They explore the ocean and they grow. But when they're adults, they attach themselves to rocks and shells. They stop exploring and they stop growing. They start to digest their own brain. Now think about that if you can. They're spineless. They're passive, and they go with the flow. I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to... In 2 Peter 3.18, it says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. So before we dive into our scriptures today, you and I, regardless of the age, single digits, teenagers, and on, we should be having spiritual adventures, don't you think? We should be having spiritual adventures. We shouldn't be vegetating and eating our own brain. We should be studying God's Word because it's in His Word that there's life. It's in His Word. Everything we need to know for godliness. 
We need to serve. We need to put out that helping hand to another brother or sister. By praying, talking to God, worshiping Him. Individually, as well as collectively, but individually, praying, talking to God, worshiping Him, reading His Word. We're going to grow. He's going to grow us. We're not going to vegetate. We're not going to stop exploring and doing those things that God calls us to do throughout our whole lifetime till we meet him in the clouds or he takes us home. You should be exploring God's character because if you did it 24-7, 365, you only begin to touch his character. You can never find out all those things about our Lord and Savior, even if you spend every single waking moment doing it. If you could turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at somebody today that knew his identity from a very young age. And we're going to look at how much do you and I line up with this man? How much can we relate to this guy? Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 1 of Mark. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the good news, everybody, the good news. That means there was bad news. The bad news was that we were separated from a holy, loving, creator God. That's the bad news. We inherited that all the way back to the garden with Adam and Eve. It was passed on from one generation to the next. But Mark right here is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets in the Old Testament. God so loved the world that he raised up people to talk about him and a hope for the future even after Adam and Eve fell. That same hope that he gave Adam and Eve is our hope today, but we can look back to the cross of Christ where Adam and Eve and all the Old Testament saints were looking forward to that day of the cross. But we have an advantage. We have the whole Bible. We have the whole counsel of God. They did not. We have that advantage. And as it was written in the prophets, in this particular next verse is the prophet Isaiah Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Who are they talking about? John. John the Baptist. Or was he Lutheran or Methodist? Was he a Calvary Chapel guy? No. It was John 
the baptizer. That was his, thank you, calling. That was his calling. And boy, did he do that well. What's your calling and what's my calling and how well are we doing that? So here's a picture of the Judean wilderness. John lived out here at a very young age. There were caves, and in parts of the desert, there were beautiful streams. The Jordan River, that we'll see in a little bit, cuts through it. But for the most part, it was a tough place to grow up. Maybe you're here today, and you grew up in a tough place. Right? You're in a tough place. You came from a tough place. And that past is still haunting you, is still with you. In that dry place, that desert place, during the day, most of the time it was very hot. Things were scorching. At night, very cold, shivering. But you know what's great? Our Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never hot or cold, regardless of what you and I go through. He's consistent. From Genesis to Revelation, he's consistent. John, when he was in the desert, very few distractions. Yeah, there were wild animals. But very few distractions. Maybe you feel that you're in a place that there's, it's a dryness in your life right now. Maybe you feel like you're in a desert place. But you know, in 2022, that's not a bad place to be. Because it can be a place where you meet Jesus. It's where you are getting rid of the worldly distractions that take your mind off the Creator, the Lord, the Savior of the universe, and you will hear His voice more clearly. It's no coincidence that John left the Judean hillside and traveled out there and lived out there because he wanted no distractions. He wanted to hear the voice of God, and he wanted to do the will of God. You and I are called to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But how many things distract us, right? How many things take our minds off of Christ, even for a second? One of the things the desert does, wilderness, creates thirst, first song that Debbie sang today, I was thinking, how many of us are tired of the sin in the world? How many of you are tired of the things that are going on in our, our, on our globe? How many of us are thirsting for the things of God to be more evident to everybody in the world? A thirst is a good thing if you know that your thirst is going to be quenched. 
And Jesus is the water of life. Tired. Oh my goodness. How many times in a day, in a week, are you tired mentally, physically? And God says, hey, come to me, all you who are weary and tired, and I'll give you rest. How many people have gone on, how many of us have gone on vacation for a week or 10 days, come back, and what do you need? A vacation. You need another vacation because you're exhausted from the one you were on. This is a spiritual rest that no place on this planet can give you. It's only someone who can give you that rest. How many of us feel lost? I wonder how many times in that, those years in the desert. Definitely over 10 years, probably more than close to 15, he was in the desert. How many times did John, I wonder... Feel alone. But he found that aloneness, that there was someone who stuck closer than a brother. God himself. Just like those guys in the fiery furnace. They thought they were toast. But there was another guy in the furnace that showed up. God shows up at the times that we don't think he's going to. So you feel lost. Well, isn't it awesome to know that our God, and he gives us that example in the scriptures of the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go find that one. Guys, girls, you're that one. You're that one. You're not alone. If you're feeling that way today, you're not alone. He's seeking you out by name. He knows what you're going through. He knows the desert times in your life. He knows the wilderness experience. He was there 40 days. 40 days to begin his ministry. And we know how it ended. You might be thinking, well, it ended on the cross. No. No, there's an empty grave. He's up there chomping, just waiting to come back. He's waiting to meet us in the clouds. You think John at those times that he was in the desert didn't think he was going to make it? I think so. But our scripture gives us that promise. Our God gives us that promise that we can do all things through Jesus who strengthens us. How many people, how many of you feel lonely or depressed? Your identity was stolen. My identity was stolen. And it's only as we submit to God's Holy Spirit that we start getting that identity back in Christ. But if you're lonely or depressed, remember that the joy, the joy of the Lord, not the joy of the world, not riding on a roller coaster, not riding a wave, not jumping out of a plane with or without a parachute, is going to bring you joy. It'll give you a momentary pleasure, 
You'll be screaming or whatever the impetus is that brings you to that point. But that's going to fade. But the joy of the Lord is our weakness, is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And you know what his joy is? You. That's his joy. You ever feel that nobody cares? John probably felt like that in the desert. I think he grew out of it because the desert, the wilderness, toughened him physically, mentally, spiritually. It brought him to the point that God wanted him to be. But I'm sure he felt that nobody cares. And he found out there's a friend that sticks closer than any physical brother or physical sister. And that was God himself. Verse 4 of Mark 1. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, you have to understand, you got to picture this. Picture going a year without reading God's word, without going to church, without talking to God, without worshiping God, one year. You only have to look at the state of our universe to see the result of that. But there were 400 years that God was silent from the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, to the coming on the scene of John the Baptist. Can you imagine that they weren't hearing from any prophets? No one was saying anything. And then all of a sudden, you're on a caravan going from maybe Jerusalem to Jericho and going through the wilderness. And in the wilderness, you're hot, you're dirty, you're tired. And all of a sudden, you see a hippie from Woodstock (laughs) coming out of the woods with camel hair, biting the head off a locust and waving at you, telling you, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, kingdom. You gotta have a king to have a kingdom, right? You have to have a king to have a kingdom. Well, Zacharias, John's dad, was a priest. And he raised John and told him, hey, look, in Malachi, in Isaiah, the behold my messenger, what I read you, before your face, John, they're talking about you. You're in the Bible, John, in Isaiah. Really, Dad? And his dad and mom just taught him. 
So he was getting prepared for that time that he was going to be revealed to point people to Jesus. Title of today's message is Prepare the Way. Prepare the way. You and me. We're to do some of the same things that John the Baptist did to get people ready to receive Jesus Christ. To point people to the Savior, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Because remember, those people are living in a desert, a wilderness, a dry, a deserted place that even though they're surrounded by people, they feel lonely, they're depressed. They don't know what's going on. The world is a ball of confusion. When you look at this map, in the center, you'll see that's a mountainous region. Okay, that's part of that wilderness that they had to go through. John lived in that wilderness, and he traveled to the Jordan River just north of the Dead Sea. The Jordan River, alive with fish, flows into the Dead Sea. Just north of the Dead Sea, right where you see the first in the blue Jordan River, right about in that area is where John was baptizing people. But notice the journey that he had to go through. Verse 5. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now you have to understand, that's a journey of 30 or more miles to get from Jerusalem. And you have to go through terrain. There's no cable cars. There's no plains. You've got to walk through desert to get to where you're going. And they heard of this guy, this prophet, John the Baptist. And, they, and people were saying, who is this guy? Is this the prophet that they talked was going to come before the coming of the Lord? So you had curiosity seekers. You had people who knew their Bible saying, well, let's go see. Let's go see what he's saying. So the place was packed. But understand, they had a desire to go without any vehicles. Maybe some had horses, maybe some had donkeys, but most of them went on foot. And here's another picture of just that area. From Bethlehem, you cross over to the Jordan. But remember, that's a, that's a distance. It's not as short as it is on the map. But when you get to the Jordan River, oh boy, don't you want to just dive in right now after being in the desert for a few minutes? You just want to get your feet wet or get your whole body wet. And this is where John was meeting people. And notice in verse 5 that all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. There's a problem in our world today that people don't think there's sin anymore. Oh, what? Think about that. Think of the compromise on our planet 
that everything is acceptable. So that means God's not the same yesterday, today, and forever, I guess. No. God doesn't change. The same sins of Adam and Eve and throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament are the sins we cover today, we go through and commit today. The problem is there's an ignorance in the body of Christ of the book. There's an ignorance. And the Bible says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. My people. He's talking about those who put their trust in God. But they don't know the heart of God. They don't have the whole counsel of God. It's right here. The greatest book, the number one bestseller, right here. Confessing their sins. That's crucial for any of us that are here or listening that we need to admit that we're sinners. But Pastor Vinny, I've only committed 10,000 sins in my life. I'm not as bad as a person who committed 15,000. Well, I got bad news for you, and I got good news. The bad news is if you commit one sin, just one, it's like committing 10 million sins, 10 billion to the 10 billionth power. One sin dooms you. Hi, neighbors. (laughs) Hi, boat people. We're all in the same boat today. The good news is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is available to everybody. Everybody, whether they're church people or not, it's available to everybody. But they need to admit they're a sinner. That's huge. Were there some curiosity seekers going in being baptized by John just to get wet because it was a hot travel through the desert? I'm sure there were. Was there emotional, I'll do what the peer group does to just go in there? I'm sure there were. But there were also ones that were confessing their sins. They wanted their sins washed away. Just like there are people today. But John's baptism was different than the baptism we do up here. Because Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood for you and for me, and he washes our sins away. What we do through baptism when we come here or if we're in a lake or the ocean is that you're admitting you're a sinner and that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're saying, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead with Christ. I die. My old man is dead and I'm rising to new life by the power of God's Holy Spirit living in me. And now it's a spirit-controlled life that you're living. You know, back here, when I go to this next one, let's go to the next one. So here's all these people coming out to the Jordan to be baptized. Now, understand there's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. People were on one bank. John was out there. You just had to wait your turn to go or you could stay on this bank. When you went down to meet John, To get baptized by John, you came out on the other side. You came out on the other bank. How many people are staying on this side and banking that they're right? 
versus the people that are submitting themselves, submerging themselves in the power of God's Holy Spirit and banking on what Jesus said, that he is the light of the world, that he is the savior of the world, that if you want an abundant life and all those things that we go through, the, the lack of joy, lack of happiness, lack of fulfillment, those desert places, that he wants to bring you to a better place spiritually so that when you go back in the desert, you have the joy of the Lord as your strength and you're in that situation now being developed by the Lord to help another person who's in the desert because all of us have been in the wilderness in the desert. Amen? Haven't we? We've all been there. Now, Let's see how we compare with John or which ways we could compare with him. John was not a man pleaser. He wasn't a man pleaser. Let's look a little more. Verse uh, 6. Now, John was clothed with camel hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Bare necessities. He was a bare necessity guy. He wasn't caught up in all the other stuff. He just wanted to be clothed by God. He just wanted to be strengthened by the Lord. Verse 7. And he preached saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. Now he was comparing himself to a slave who would do that to their master. So John was saying, I'm below a slave. I'm not even worthy like a slave to go down and take off his sandal straps, to unloosen them. See, John realized, like you and I need to realize, that we are sinners. So far separated from God's perfect standards that we can never measure up. We've heard it before. I'll get five people up here. We're all going to try to jump up to the balcony from here. Not even number 23, MJ, in his prime, could do that. Close, but he couldn't do that. But somebody might land on the first step. Somebody might land on the floor. I would love to see somebody maybe even land near that pew. But I'll tell you, to go up that way to the balcony, impossible. Well, that's how far or how hard it is for you to reconcile yourself with a creator, perfect God. He knew that. And he said, you know what, guys, girls, I got it. I'm coming down to rescue you. I'm coming down to die so there is no gap between us anymore. Verse 8, and I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're promised to get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in you. But Jesus wants to baptize you with his Holy Spirit. And it's simply, Lord, baptize me. Give me everything you have. I'll come back to that in a, in a few. I'm going to show you an object lesson with that in a few. So he wasn't a man pleaser. He wasn't a self pleaser. Wow. I wonder what he would do with selfie, uh, iPhones today. Huh? Probably be in the Jordan River somewhere. John was a man of principle. 
He lived a disciplined life. He was a servant, but he was also a messenger. And that's one of the things. I think all these things here are things that we can ask God. I don't want to be a man pleaser. I don't want to be a self pleaser. I want to be a person of principle. I want to live a disciplined life when it comes to the things of God. I want to serve you. And I want to be a messenger to bring the message to other people who are in a dark desert place. But one of the things that John preached, you can look in Matthew, you can look in this gospel, and you can look in uh, the gospel of John, just a gospel of repentance. You know, repentance is an action word. It's, it, it means change your mind about what you're thinking and doing and change your direction. You've been living your self-directed life all these years. Hey, I don't want to do that anymore, Lord. I want to follow you. And he gives you a playbook. He gives you a playbook. How cool is that? And if you don't have a playbook, you can get one. And it's free right here today. Jesus already paid the price for this book. But do we take advantage of his love letters to us? A remission of sins. What does that mean? Well, it means forgiveness. You have to ask for forgiveness. Because you're a sinner. Hey, I'm sorry, God. Forgive me for those things I have done. Even all those things over the past 20 years that I forget that I did. But you know, I want you to forgive me, Lord, please. I admit I'm a sinner. Then you accept what Jesus did at the cross and he gives you liberty. He gives you freedom. The chains are set free. You're set free from those chains of guilt of regret, and he delivers you. In Luke four eighteen, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Do you know you could be the richest person financially here today but the poorest person spiritually. God wants to make you rich today. Not financially, spiritually. Because that's a richness that you can bank on and you can take it. It's put up in heaven for you. You're on your way there. You might be brokenhearted today. He wants to heal that brokenness. He wants to give you your identity back. You might feel captive to something. It could be alcohol, drugs, it could be pornography, it could be crime, it could be anger, it could be anything, anything on the spectrum. He wants to give you liberty to start being the person he created you to be. You could be blind spiritually. I'm not getting this. Just ask him, Jesus, help me to see what's being said from your word. Give me insight. Let me see. And if you're oppressed, he wants to give you that liberty. He doesn't want you to be oppressed. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Whoa! 
And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Well, there's a war going on for your soul, for your mind, for your heart, for your spirit. The devil does not rest. He's always at it. He's intense. That intensity is blown away by our Holy Spirit who lives in every single believer. And this whole thing, now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. To be dedicated, to be committed, to sacrifice, to have a passion to see Jesus rule in the hearts of men and women, that's a violence. That's being violent in the biblical sense. To having that passion, to having that drive, to having that desire. I think of athletes that I've coached. Their dedication, their commitment, their sacrifice. While everybody else was doing something, they were willing to put in that extra time, those hours, those summers. They were dedicated. They were committed. They, were, they sacrificed things they could have done with their friends. Do we do that same thing for Jesus Christ? Do we want to see Jesus rule in the hearts of boys and girls and teens all the way up to people on the verge of going into eternity? Do we want to do that? If you don't have that passion, ask for it. That's what the Holy Spirit does in the believer. But you have to want it. You have to want to do it. I had players on my team, great athletes, but didn't have that desire or work ethic. Then I had kids with very little talent who had great desire, great work ethic. Boy, I wish I could have had them sprint into each other and make one person. But it doesn't work that way, does it? That desire, that heart, Good news is Jesus can give you that desire. He can give you that heart. You don't have to go to any seminar. You just have to ask Jesus, Jesus, give me that desire. Give me that heart. Give me that uh, uh, passion. Now, that violence is also can take in a negative way that we have an enemy that wants to steal, that wants to kill, destroy you, and destroy your work for God. He wants to steal your identity as a child of God. He wants to rip you off. And he's doing a great job of it within the body of Christ throughout the world. You and I need to take it back simply by saying, get in with the Lord. Spending time one-on-one. Praying to him, talking to him, worshiping him, reading his word. That's all you're going to do. That's your gym. That's your spiritual gym. That's where you get your spiritual muscles. That's where you fight the enemy. That's where you have wisdom to know what to do in situations when you're confronted with things. In 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See, God, through his grace, has given every one of you a gift or gifts. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God or the teachings of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Notice who 
is doing this. It's the grace of God. It, it's, it's the teachings of God. It's God supplies it. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus. To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. It's not you. It's not me. It's God at work in you through the power of his Holy Spirit. There was a, um, you know, I've been retired four years from my uh, teaching and coaching. And uh, a boy that I taught six years ago was killed in a car accident last Sunday at 5 a.m. I don't know if you read about it. It was on the New York, um, Long Island, let's see, Thruway or Parkway, North Parkway in Long Island. And uh, he was with two other people. I don't know who was driving. His uh, services tomorrow and um, the car went off the road, hit several trees and burst into flames. Good news is that boy, not a boy anymore, he's a young man. It's 23, 24 some of you helped sponsor him years ago to go to Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp where he heard the gospel. And I was fortunate enough with another coach in the summertime. We would have a little Bible study before we did our summer league practice for basketball. So he heard the word. He comes from an Indian background, but we know that God reaches all people all the time, everywhere, regardless of the situations. But uh, when this happened and I knew I was teaching, I said, you know what? Today, right now, you get to do a do-over, right? Something God's putting on your heart from his word. I don't know where you guys and girls are in your heart and your walk with the Lord, but you get to do a do-over. My athlete, my student, doesn't get to do a do-over anymore. There's no more do-overs. How can you be like John? Listen for and to God's voice. Listen for it. Listen to it. He'll speak to you through his word, the Holy Bible. Stay in God's will and not your will. Say, Lord, I want to be totally selfless, and all sold out to you. Change me, Lord. Be mighty in God's strength. Hopefully, over the last two years, most of us know that we have very little strength. We were in a wilderness period. It's with his breath we sing, right? He gives us... What you've been doing for the last 40 minutes, that's God's gift to you, that breath, that heartbeat, the blinking of your eyes. One second. And be gone. What kingdom are you living in? The kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light? If you're living in the kingdom of light, remember, you've got to have a king. We know who the kingdom of darkness is. Prince of the darkness of the air, principalities and powers. He's not a king, he's a fake king. You're already lost at the cross, but he's faking out a lot of people who 
who are following his kingdom. You're called and I'm called as eternal creations of God to choose what kingdom we're going to live in. We're going to stay kingdom of darkness on this bank or we're going to cross over onto the other bank with Jesus. It's a choice everybody, including myself, had to make or is faced to make today. Be set apart for God's use, just like John. Start refusing things that hurt your walk with God. What is it in our lives that is distracting us or taking us away from our Savior to be in tight with Him? Remember, John didn't have any distractions. What are some of the things maybe, hey, Lord, show me some of the things I need to get out of my life so I can be more zeroed in on you. John was a Nazarene. Couldn't drink anything from the vine. Couldn't touch any dead thing or unclean thing. We're to touch no unclean thing with our hands, with our minds, with our hearts, with our spirit. Pray, worship, stay in God's word. These aren't rocket science things, everybody. Everybody here can do this. We can talk to God. We can sing to God. We can stay in his word. And every time you do any one of those three things or all three things, ask God through the power of his Holy Spirit to tune you in, to listen and to hear. One of the root words of the word prophet is to boil or bubble over. To boil or bubble over. You can have the characteristics of a prophet. We've already seen a lot of the stuff that John did. We can do those same things, but we need to have that filling of the Holy Spirit to overflow us so that we can boil and bubble over on other people. That's important. That's how lives are touched and changed. Malachi 4.5. Remember, this is 400 years before John came on the scene. said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He was referring to the spirit of Elijah that was going to be fulfilled in John the Baptist. That fire of God's spirit on Elijah was going to be within John. That spirit of fire, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity, God himself indwelling the believer to be on fire for him to boil over to a world that is dying and getting darker. said I was going to refer to this as we get close to closing here. You a cucumber or a pickle? Cucumber, right? There's a cucumber. I take that cucumber put in spices and all that stuff and leave it in there. It gets pickled. It gets saturated. Are you a cucumber Christian? Are you pickled? See, a pickled Christian is a Christian that has been submerged in God's Holy Spirit all the way through, not just the tips, not just the outside. I can put that cucumber in a jar of pickles and pick it out, lick it like an ice cream, and I'll taste the liquid. But boy, if I take that pickle, 
Even if I dry it off on the outside and take that bite, mm, it's a pickle. Are you a cucumber Christian or a pickle Christian? A pickle Christian is one who is filled with God's Holy Spirit who says, Dear Holy Spirit, Dear Jesus, just baptizes me in the Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflowing every single day of my life because I need that filling once a year. Every single moment of every single day. Stay pickled. In Luke 176, talking about John the baptizer. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. You know, you're a child of God if you have received him in your heart, and he's telling you and me to go and prepare the way for him. There's people on the bank that need to hear. There's people in the bank, too. There's people in your banks that need to hear, that need to be prayed for. In Matthew, it says, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. We're told to go into the world and preach the gospel. You're to be God's witnesses. You know, a witness, another name for that is martyr. You're to be willing to go wherever God wants you to go for him, even if it costs you your life. Wow. Wow. Heard a pastor say that the American Christians are a heck of a lot different than Christians in Iraq and Iran and other parts of the Middle East over there because they've been hardened like a John the Baptist. They've been in the desert. They know what it is to lose a loved one because of persecution. God tells us to go into the world, preach the gospel starting in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is your home. Into Judea. That's your neighborhood for us. Uttermost parts of the earth are our daily travels. Where we go. Are we praying for people? Are we looking for opportunities to bring them to Jesus? To prepare the way. For you and I to prepare the way. We need a vision from God. Lord, give me that vision of what you would have me do. Where you would have me go. Give me a deep conviction of not only my sin that you died for, but also the sins of other people that I don't even know. Give me your heart for that longing to love that sinner who right now is on his way to hell. Give me that John Baptist mentality to tell the truth in love, to lead people to Christ, whether it be on the street or inviting them to church to hear the gospel, whatever, whatever way God does it. There's no locked in way. There's an approaching judgment of believers. Did you know that? If you're a believer here today, you're going to be judged at the Bema seat of Christ for what you did for Christ. It's not going to be the same as the judgment for the non-believers, which is the white throne judgment, where they're going to be judged for everything they've done. But the biggest thing is, did you receive Christ? No. Okay, depart from me forever into the, to hell, which was created for the devil and his angels. Every true life, true life, capital T, one that is sold out to Christ is a mission from God. John 
was brought up. Hey, John, that's you in Isaiah that they're talking about. Well, you have a mission and I have a mission. God saved you from this world. You're part of it. You're in it, but not part of it. You're to be in it, but not sucked up by it, not conformed to it, but changed by the renewing of your mind by washing it. That doesn't work. You got to get into it. You got to read his word. You got to say, Lord, show me what you need me to know from your word today. Tomorrow, don't live on today's bread. It's like the man in the desert. You need to move on and be fed daily from God's word. So every true life is a mission from God. You need to carry and pass the torch of God's word. The Olympics, right? They start, let's say it's in uh, this country. They start on the East Coast when it was in L.A. back in, I think it was 84. So they have different people carrying the torch across the country and you hand it off. And then you go and you pass it off. Then you go and you pass it off. Well, we need to pass the torch of God's love, his forgiveness, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his filling with the Spirit, and pass it on. That's part of our mission. Jesus is coming. For my athlete, only God knows if he accepted Jesus into his heart. Jesus came for him a week ago today. He might come from you for you today, tomorrow, 10 years from now. He might bring us all up in the clouds in the twinkling of an eye. In John 20, he says, peace be with you as the father has sent me. I am sending you receive God's Holy Spirit. John 1, 6, as we close, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Isn't that awesome? There is a person sent from God whose name is, put your name in that blank. Put it in there. There is a person sent from God whose name is Vinny, is John, is Billy, is Mary, whatever. And you know what? You're not a robot. You got a free choice. It's a free will choice. And Jesus says in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, another word for born again is born again from above, like God does it. He cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again from above. I remember years ago, somebody said, oh, you're one of those born-again Christians. Yeah, I hope so. By the blood of Christ. It's from above. It's not something you, you just conjure up. It's a lifestyle. It's a Holy Spirit lifestyle. Living and following the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, you and I are not righteous. But when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he gives us a robe of righteousness. 
when God the Father looks at us, he sees that we're covered in the blood of Christ you're in. He did it all. You just have to make the choice. Now, as we close, ready? Which one are you? Which bank are you on? I'm going to ask Debbie to come up. We're going to ask if there's anybody in here today that wants to change direction, that wants to change your mind and allow God to change your heart. And if that is you, whether you're home or you're here, and you want to confess, hey, I'm a sinner. I need what Jesus did at the cross. I need Jesus to come into my heart. God, forgive me. If that is you, when Debbie's playing, just come up here. We're going to pray with you. And then we have some people who give you a Bible and get you started. If you do it at home, call into the church and we'll send that stuff to you. Okay? And uh, let's see what God does. been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.